Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. And welcome to the Natural Running Network with... Laura Messner. <laughs> I am here uh, taking over Richard Diaz's podcast because I had some questions and he thought that it'd be a great idea to talk about them on here. And you know what? I thought that was a great idea too. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Richard Diaz himself to answer my questions. So he, welcome, Richard. Why, thank you for allowing me to be on your show. <laughs> no, thank you. It is an honor. No, to thank you. Thank you for thanking me for allowing me to be on my podcast. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I really I like to take a back seat. I think it's amazing to take a back seat. Hey, you know that that's good because I'm ready to ask you some questions because I'm really curious because I've been seeing um, on your social media how. All of these athletes, you're putting them through this running program, and they seem to be doing extremely well, in at, at least in their results for those that are following it. And and then I see another thing for super program. I, I don't know. I don't really understand what this is all about. So I was hoping that you could clarify so that way more people can get involved or I can look into it too so I can get faster at running. Um, what What is it about? All right. Uh, well, thank you for asking those questions. You're welcome. For starters, it occurred to me, well, it has occurred to me for quite some time, that in this sport, obstacle course racing, there is really little, if any, off-season. People tend to chase the races as they're available throughout the year. As a matter of fact, some people get to a place with it where if they don't have an opportunity to race, they get a little you know, edgy. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, I got a race. You know, if they don't, you know, they got to have it. You know, it's like an addiction. Right. They, they want to do, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I totally know. And um, that ends up being, you know, racing often, very, very often. And if you're going to do that, then clearly there's comes a time where your body really needs an opportunity to regress and mm -hmm. to rebuild and to get to a place where you could be whole again and hopefully even better than you were. Learn from the mistakes you made. Find some time to contend with the nagging injuries that you face and such. I've been banging the drum about this for <laughs> quite a long time. And so I thought I'm going to do something about it. And so I developed a program I called Crush the Run. And the focus of the program was to put people through a 16-week training program that is dedicated to help them improve not only the way they run, but to improve the speed in which they produce a run. And my target was a half marathon or beast distance race. Mm -hmm. And so the way it works is it was an online project. I created a private Facebook page so that the members or participants in the program would have access to me and information and video links and things like this that I provided for them. And um, 
we started the project and there we went. So through tutorial, through conversation, through Facebook Live, we guided these people through 16 weeks worth of training. And uh, we initially intended to start the program with 50 people and cap it there. We ended up with 67, um, which was more than I felt was comfortable. But I just really had a hard time saying no to a lot of the people that assumed that, yeah, I know him. He's going to let me in. you know. So I did. You're tracking all of this as it's going on, right? Everyone's data? Oh, yeah. So what ends up happening is everybody got onto my coaching page uh, by invitation so that every workout that you did, I would see your heart rate response, your cadence, your pay, everything about what you did, what it cost you to do what you're doing, and what the results of the workouts were, I would have the opportunity to review. Obviously enough, with that many people, I couldn't possibly go through and look at everybody's workouts every single day and then give them you know, feedback on it. So they knew this going in. Uh, however, I did, in my leisure, take a look at what people were doing, what the responses were. And if somebody was really, really lost or things weren't going well, I would communicate with them privately and explain to them what it is I felt that they should be doing or not doing and got them back on track. So there was definitely some communication on a pretty personal level. But then there was also the group. So because of the private group page, people were able to communicate with one another and help each other through this process. So I, I thought that was pretty amazing as well. Yeah. I mean, I can't go explain all of the results we got from all of the people, but I can tell you that it was not unusual to see people in the outcome of, you know, finishing the, the 16 weeks and doing a half marathon distance run, ending up dropping upwards of some cases 30 minutes from their best running time for a half marathon. And people dropping one, two minutes per mile pace aerobically. And so doing a time trial aerobically is uh, throwing a governor at it where you're creating a, a monitored cost of work. Realize that heart rate represents cost. What does it cost me to run X? And so if we know that you're aerobic and we find that being aerobic for you is 140 beats per minute and we cause you to stay at that particular heart rate for the given distance that we're trialing, then you mm -hmm. have good comparative analysis to see whether in fact you're improving. So dropping a minute, a minute and a half from your average pace at the same expense is a massive, massive improvement. Absolutely. So across the board, we saw just phenomenal results from Again, the people that actually did the work. Obviously, there were some people that thought that I would wave this magic wand over their head and they'd be whole. Mm. Um, I've got oh. a magic wand, but I think the battery's gone dead on and it's not working quite, quite like I hoped. So, But at the end of the day, we were so excited about how the project came about, we decided to do another one. And this one is in-season. And the in-season aspect of it is to do what most people like to race, is the super distance race. It's kind of the middle road. It's between doing a sprint. It's an event that would prepare you potentially to do a good job at a half marathon. And so we, we decided to settle on that distance. And the focus of the training now is to prepare people for that given distance. And the project now is 12 weeks. Incidentally, this, this project is almost sold out. I think we got a couple more slots left, but for the most part, it's sold out. 
Oh, wow. Uh, I'm not having any trouble getting people to buy into these processes because, first of all, most of the people that participated in the first program that saw the mm -hmm. results that they got, it was no push for them to say, another program, I'm in. They jumped, right? So it almost... Well, and also, I have a question on that yeah. is... The, the people that did the running one, did they go through your running clinic and everything? Because I know if I were to have just jumped into a running program without the knowledge that I gained from your clinics, I wouldn't, I'd probably have a purple kneecap on both knees because <laughs> I was running really wrong. Well, there were some people that had been in the one of the other clinics. You know, so there were some people that clearly the people that bought into this knew of me and have participated in some something I've done okay. before, or maybe they even listened to my podcast and, you know, for whatever reason, they were motivated to do it. But I, I, I suck at marketing. I'm not going to lie to you. And, and <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't create this big push. I don't buy advertising to promote these Doesn't events. seem like you need to. Cause... Well, well, yeah, I haven't. And that's that's beautiful that I hadn't had to do it. But. At the end of the day, um, it's been really fun for me to be able to put people to task and show them that if they do the right things, that they can get the kind of results that they thought they never could, could get. And uh, that's been happening. So uh, the super project is different than the, uh, the original project because now we're including the strength components, all functional obstacle-based strength components built into the weekly training. And you don't really need to do anything other than this program in order to have a pretty good handle on what you need to know or do to be successful and run a clean race and probably run better than you ever had before. And uh, so it's been an exciting adventure. Do you plan on doing, let's say, because since you're kind of going with the Beast Super, are you ever planning on going to the sprint side or the stadium series side as far as programming goes you know it's interesting you bring that up because my initial intent was to start out with a, a stadium event mm -hmm. and then go into a sprint event and then eventually go into the super event the unfortunate end of it is people are not going to wait for that i can't mm -hmm. i can't slow people down to get them to just worry about the sprint first right and then worry about the super they're just randomly throwing themselves at these events as they come up or are convenient for them. Then I thought, well, why don't I combine the sprint and the stadium effort? Because I think that those two training modalities are very similar. Right. And that, I thought, well, I'll do that first. And then, you know, having thought about it a little deeper, I thought, well, now, if I do a super event first, then people will have the ability to go up or down and still be okay. The interesting thing about this, I think, it's not so much that you follow the training and the training will prepare you for X event. It's the education they're getting as they're participating in the program that's really the, the value. Because yeah. they're learning about what they need to do, what worked for them, and probably what they did not need to waste their time doing. And that's important because I'm telling you, a lot of people are doing things that are not even, it's contrary to the processes that they're hoping to achieve. And so you find yourself wasting potentially, you know, 30 or 40% of your training time doing things that are not going to put you in a better place if your game is to do well in OCR. Mm -hmm. um, so that becomes the education. And, and, I, and I had people all through this last project 
were constantly asking me, well, when, when this is done, so what do we do next? You know, I'm like, let it, let it just do its thing. Just, just apply yourself day to day and just watch as the education starts to reveal the answers to you rather than expecting yeah. me to explain it to you because you're going to learn things from this experience that you never thought you would learn. Uh, you're yeah. going to get value from it that you never thought about. And so I love the idea of creating more of an education than just blindly throwing a template at somebody and say, do this and hopefully you'll be successful. Right. And uh, the, the other end of it is because I'm having a chance to see the results, it's making me better at what I'm doing. Because mm -hmm. if I expose 50 people to a process, then if it's not working, there's something wrong with my program. There's something that I need to adjust or, or affect. And so the other thing that we did is we tried to break people into two different groups. Uh, we couldn't just take people individually and create program for them. It's a, that's just too much to ask. Right. But we could say, all right, if you are incapable of running more than three hours a week, you need to be in this group. If you're, uh, if you're more than that, if you're capable of running, you know, today, if I said this week I need you to run five hours, what kind of a problem would that pose uh, to you? And then so we kind of segregated the groups in A and B groups. So we did the same thing with the super group as well. The difference will be the volume of training and the intensity of the training will be a little different for the different groups. And I may move somebody. I may look at somebody and say, wow, he's doing really well. Maybe I should push him up and make the work a little bit more difficult because I think I could take it. Or this has been a little too much for him, so I'll move him back down. So the interesting thing about it is that the program has life as opposed to you know, just having a static process that you're chasing. And, you know, you're hoping that through your exposure to various elements of training, that it becomes um, the result you're hoping for. So, and so this program could technically be for anybody at any level, because that's really what you're kind of saying is like an A level, B level, depending on their schedule, because, yeah. you know, there's always life. So I think that's a, a great plan. Because sometimes it can be overwhelming when there's a program that feels like it's demanding too much and then people just don't do it at all. Right. So that they have a choice. And, I, and honestly, I think that that happened to some people where we might have misguessed them and initially the work was a little overwhelming and they decided, I'm out of here. You know, there could have been some people like that. I, I hadn't had anybody tell me that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had one guy, and I'm not going to use his name, but one guy said, hey, you know what? I signed up for this thing because you said it would be an elite program and um, this is too easy for me and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he said, you know, I, I, I want half my money back because I'm halfway through the program. And I said, well, look, I said, here's the thing. I started out with people in the beginning and I asked them to do time trials. The mm -hmm. time trials provide me with information about you so I can make a better judgment call in respect to what level of ability you have. Right. And you didn't do it. You didn't do anything. And the only thing I saw was that when I'm looking at the training peaks, I saw that somebody did 30 miles on Saturday. And I look at what preceded that that event, and there was no training. All that told me is somebody just showed up and did a race. Mm -hmm. and, and the previous week, there was the same amount of training, maybe another race. So their whole existence was race to race to race to race. Didn't tell mm -hmm. me anything about them other than they were taking a beating. Right. So I put them where I felt was most beneficial. And so what I did is I said, look, we're going to make a deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to move you up into the A category. 
And you do the work for the rest of this program. You do the work and not miss a workout. And I will give you all your money back. All I want you to do is complete the business. Finish this program in the elite category, and I'll give you all your money back. Just don't miss any workouts. He said, deal, right? The following week, he contacted me. He goes, doesn't look like I'm going to be getting my money back. <laughs> that he, go, was smart. he goes, wow. He goes, I can't believe. He goes, there was a big difference. I said, mm -hmm. well, uh, and the other deal I made with him, I said, if right now, you're signing off any potential injury. If this is too much for you and you hurt yourself, it's on you because I try to save you from yourself. And he said, fair enough. But uh, it was interesting how that little shift in the process made a big difference. I mean, I don't know how much better or worse he came individually. I have to look it up to see it, but definitely got his attention. And so yeah. the program was every bit as much as anybody could ever hope for. I think that the uh, in the A group, the the volume got to a point where there's some athletes are hitting in the mid 50s miles per week. Mm -hmm. And these are people that started out maybe doing 16, 18 miles a week. And that's how much progress they saw. And the same thing with the B group. So I had people that were ending up punching into 40 miles a week that never got past 18, 19 miles a week. And, and they were commenting to me, wow, I can't believe this doesn't hurt. And I've told people that when you plateau in your training, it's generally because you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. the, the intensity in which you approach the work, the mechanics in which you approach the work, there's something amiss. Otherwise, you should start to see some pretty steady progress. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this progress can be borne out over many years. Anyway, that, that was an interesting project. Uh, I'm excited about this one. This just is getting ready to start at uh, the end of this week. Oh, at the end of this week? Yeah, March 10th it begins. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if somebody wanted to get on board, they still have a couple days, assuming that this podcast gets posted be uh, well enough in, in time. My question for you, since you're asking me questions. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Tell me, tell me a little bit, bit about OCRM. Is that what it is? OCRM? Yep. Obstacle Course Racing Media Network. So we're a network too. You know, I've seen like little snippets of Benny doing something. Yep. Uh, and I know Benny's in it. Uh, I've seen you do some stuff. And I know that there's obviously some race coverage. Where's this going? What, what's this all about? Tell, just help me with this. Well, uh, the whole point of OCRM and as we're building this is to create an ESPN for obstacle course racing. So basically the hub of all things obstacle course racing. So if you want to hear news, you go there. If you want to see live footage, you go there. And it's not just one race, like Spartan Race has their live coverage, but it would be multiple different races and even the smaller events that not a lot of people get to see and figure out what their obstacles look like. Um, and how they're done, things like that. So it's it's slowly building up. We just entered onto Amazon Prime, and we are very excited about that. And it's just continuing to grow, and we're really excited. What I like about that is that you're not cow-toed or branded. It's not like you're the Spartan show, you're the OCR World Championship show. Or I like that. I think it's important that people look at the sport at large – 
right. and get enthusiastic about that opposed to any particular brand. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, covering the sport from a broader perspective, what athletes are doing, where they're doing it, and how successful they are at it. And just education. People need to know. I mean, for the sport to grow, more people need to know what the heck it is. Yeah, to right. this day, I mean, you know, I tell people, they ask me what I do for a living. And I say, well, you know, um, I have a hard time trying to explain it to them. <laughs> You're a little bit of everything. So. It, I don't even know how to put a, na- a label on it. So I don't know how to explain it. So I I'll start, well, I work with obstacle course racing athletes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's that? And I was like, mud run. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, I, yeah, I've seen that before. But they don't know, they don't know what OCR is. They don't And look. then they'll say like color run or they'll say inflatable run. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. not really. But <laughs> you're getting closer. And when I suggest that I actually work with some of the professionals in the sport, they're like, oh, really? There's professionals that do mud run? They don't see that. They don't see that somebody's actually trying to earn a living by competing in these events. And right. I, I think that's a sad commentary as well, obviously enough, because we need brands out there in the world to identify with that this is a legitimate sport mm-hmm. and where they're going to want to get involved. They're going to want to support these athletes so that the athletes can end up earning a living in the sport. And, uh, By the way, I've seen that your your athlete BJ Jones is doing extremely well yeah. this year so far. <laughs> he so. took a he took a serious beating this morning. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, you know, the advantage that he has is he lives close enough where we have an opportunity to get together weekly, and uh, I have eyes on him, and I can orchestrate the workouts in such a way that I physically am, am involved in in putting these workouts together. So we did. Um, let me give you a sample of what we did. We have this nice little park close by that has monkey bars and it has uh, a couple different stations. One of them is like where you could do like a muscle up or a chin up, two different bars. And then so we brought buckets with sandbags and he has a bag that I procured for him that's like this Kevlar bag that's 75 pounds. And we put it inside of a bucket. And we set the bucket next to the chin muscle-up bar. And starting on the other end of the track, ran 200 at race pace to the muscle-ups and into the chins, then grabbed the bucket and run the, the balance of the 200 meters carrying that bucket. And then you end up at the um, monkey bars in where we did toes-to-bar for 10 repetitions and then sprint 200 meters to the muscle ups, and then eventually you're you're relaying that 75 pound bucket around the track while you're doing this. You get to a place where he's like, "How many more? How many more repetitions?" You know, you get that kind of like a this misery sounding. I, was, I think anybody would have that reaction to that kind of a workout. So, I mean, don't put it all on him like he's a baby or something. I'm pretty sure I'd probably be in tears. Then we did, uh, We I have this uh, skills drag bag. So we did uh, interval repeats on the grass, about 150 meters. We did a loop. So it's actually about 300 meters dragging the bag at race pace and then picking up the 75-pound the bag, put it on your shoulder, and then sprint 
the 300 meters on the grass with the back. So we alternated. There was a few of us, and one of my other, actually two other clients, uh, Jimmy Stratton, who's a local guy, and his wife, Christina, and they were all playing with, matter of fact, the girl was running with that 75-pound bag on her shoulder. Okay. She goes, I don't, I don't think I can pick it up. I said, sure you can. She put it on her shoulder. I said, now run. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked out fine. So yeah. And, uh, that's, that's my day to day, you know? Oh, by the way, I I don't know if I should tell you this, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Um, Hunter McIntyre just left before we did this podcast, contacted me a week ago, said, look, I'm going to put him, should I talk about this? Well, anyway, he just he's getting ready to to participate in the CrossFit Games, and uh, if he can get in, so right. he's hoping to be a wild card and, and get in. And his focus for the last two years has been putting on muscle mass. The guy's a, a monster right now. Oh yeah, uh, he's just he's really a monster. So we did a VO two max test on him today to just get a sense of the way his body's responding to the work he's doing. And get a sense of what we need to adjust or change to get him into a better place for things he have has planned for the near future. I can I, I'm gonna have to leave it there because I, I I promised him I wouldn't talk about it until he was oh, he was willing you can't to do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he'll be back tomorrow, bringing somebody with him that is also one of the top what top uh, I don't even know how to say it CrossFit athletes right is that what they call it. Mm-hmm. Is that what they call yep. themselves? Yeah. So one of the top guys in the CrossFit Games is, is coming out too because he found out that in order to run well, he might not come see me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a reality what, check. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's been going on. And so the other thing that I wanted to talk about, if I could just real briefly, yeah. is I spent over the last four years a lot of travel. And as you know, I've been out to the East Coast uh, several times. I've been down south. I've been Texas, uh, Louisiana, Kansas City, Georgia, Vermont, Chicago, New Jersey several times, Vermont several times. I've been traveling a, a lot to do the clinics that I do to basically share the information I share with people and the training I provide people on running mechanics and metabolic structure, show people how they should train in order to improve their their metabolic responses to work and such. And I've decided that I just don't think I want to travel anymore. So New Jersey being the last clinic that I think I'm going to travel to this year will be at the end of the month. I might be wrong. I might find myself changing my mind about this. I was going to say, because I remember even like maybe a year or two ago, you're like, yeah, I'm going to retire from this whole travel thing. And then we saw you then again there next year. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? It was a hard, it was, I was hard pressed to make it back out to the East coast after spending a week out there. Uh, and then thought, you got more snow. With yeah. Us. Yeah. I know. I was so done, but loved it. Well, you know, the cool thing about it is I've not met anybody in the sport. I didn't like, mm. you know, I, I enjoy working with the people that I've had a chance to work with. I just love to see the progress that they're seeing. Uh, it's just, really keeping me in the game. I'm, I'm very, very gifted to having the opportunity to enjoy the work that I do that supports me. I just don't know that travel is the thing to do. I, I We've been doing the clinics here locally and people have not showing any resistance to come out here. And the good news is in the wintertime, we're not cold. 
we don't have snow. <laughs> you know, we had, in January, we had people in and out of the ocean where when they went home, they had two feet of snow on the ground or not even, right. you know, not even able to fly home because of the snow. So um, this is not a bad place to be. And uh, we've got a, I mean, the environment that I have locally and the training locales that I have that I use are so pristine. They're so perfect for what I do. Uh -huh. uh, I'm just going to see what happens if I just uh, allow people to come visit me instead of me visiting them. Well, and you also know what to expect in your own home area. Whereas when you travel, you're kind of just going off of Absolutely. what people who are hosting says is a good place to go, which oh, yeah. sometimes is the complete opposite of what you think it is. So. Well, yeah. And trust me when I tell you, I've been a few places where I said, okay, where, where's the hill? <laughs> no, it's over there. So you see it over there? I said, no. I see where there's like a little bump, but there's no hill. And, uh, here we are in the Santa Monica Mountains. We have a, just the most beautiful places to run in trail. We have sure. sand dunes. We have the beach. Uh, we have what we call the Gulch. You've never been to the Gulch of the Gods, have you? Nope. Oh, my God, Gulch. You've not been there. Uh, it's so <laughs> cool. I mean, this last time in January, because it rained, we have this, we, we do this uh, technical terrain training, which we do on these river rocks. And there's this this ravine through the oh, gulch. Oh, I've seen it on your videos, though. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? This last time, there was water in there. So they're running ankle deep through the water on the rocks and out, climb the rope, sprint down, up the hill, grab the bag, up the hill, grab the bucket, up the hill, a slam ball. You know, so we spent better part of a day playing in the gulch after being at the track. And I know, like you suggested, I know very precisely what's going to occur because, you know, it's, it's my hometown. I know where everything is. And Sense. where I go to some random place around the planet and people don't know what I'm looking for and they just point me somewhere and they're hoping for the best. And sometimes it works out. And the good news is that when, when I've been someplace once before, they get to know what I'm after. So they, they start pointing me in a better direction. So this time in Jersey, I think is going to be amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got a new location that we're going to go to. And one of my clients that's worked with me a lot and knows me and came out here and knows what I do here said, I got it. I know exactly what it is that you need. And you'll see if I don't miss my guess, it's going to be pretty amazing. But uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the important thing is, is that I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm not, not doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to really, really back off the amount of travel I've been doing. Well, it's a lot to carry all the equipment you have to carry, too. So that's well, big... you know, just little things that people don't think about is that let's just say, for example, that my metabolic cart was lost in transit. Right. Or God forbid they slam it against a wall or something and it gets broken. You know, you're looking at uh, some twenty five thousand dollars worth of equipment that I would be sacrificing because I risked traveling with it. Mm -hmm. And so far, knock on wood, you know, the way I prepare it and the case I carry it and all that stuff is, is kept me out of trouble, but mm -hmm. it only takes once, right? Just one time. So uh, it's just a function of risk versus benefit. And um, the other consideration is that here in my lab, I have my bitchin' treadmill. 
Yeah, I was going to say that thing is sweet. Yeah, so I, I can do stuff here locally that I can't do other places. And the other, well, f- f- I obviously can't travel with you know, a thousand pounds worth of equipment to do a clinic for 20 people. I just can't. It just don't work. So here they come and I have all these toys to play with, which is obviously another benefit. So I don't know. I might be wrong. I might find that later that it's not the thing to do. But I, I think that at this point, it, I've done it enough. I've had enough influence over enough people that they'll realize that if they want to improve, they want to get their game up, it might be a good investment to come out and see us. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's definitely worth it. I've been to quite a few by now of your running clinics, and they were 100% worth it. Even reattending again just to hear different stuff come out of your mouth <laughs> and all the new stuff that you've learned because it's always different and that's so cool and every person that goes on and gets tested even just to watch them you learn something from each individual as well not just yourself yeah what, what races are you doing this year um i'm sticking to a lot of the stadium races which is why i asked you about the uh the Stadiums. stadium and sprint stuff because i'm more of a i can I can go red line for that good hour, uh, but anything else, it's just, eh. Well, we're going to do it, and I'll, I'll make a point to get you in it. I'll, I'll plug you in as soon as we get it worked out. Um, I, I'm just, you know, I'm experimenting right now. It's kind of beta testing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to figure out what the the best path is to, to do this, um, but I don't imagine that I'm going to do more than around 50 people at a time. Um, because I, I still want to have that personal influence. I still want to be able to communicate with people. I'm, I, I'm not looking to have 10,000 people participate in a program. You know, no. it's just too much. So. And I but, think that's smart too, because you don't want to just, you know, have one strict program and then say, okay, go for it. You know, to be more personal, personable, I think that is a big plus in your programming. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is that people want to categorize you. They want to say, oh, yeah, he is that running guy, right? Yep. And that disturbs me because that suggests that's all I know. All I can do is help you with your run. My God. I mean, I've been in the business of fitness and exercise physiology for over 30 years. I've owned health clubs. I've trained trainers. I've... I've I, I did, there was that shtick that I did for a while that was personal training, you know, teaching people how to lift weights, teaching people how to get in, into fit. I used to taught, I was one of the first hundred spinning instructors in the world. I've been, I've been doing this kind of stuff for a, I'm an old man, dude. I've been doing this for a really long time. So to suggest that, oh, he, you know, is that one trick pony? He just, the running guy. Are you kidding me? The strength training to me is a necessary evil. It's something that needs to have happened in order to be successful in this sport. I focused on running simply because everybody that's going to be successful in this sport needs to be able to run. And so I went ahead and just backed away and allowed other people to be that other guy, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, for example, people that know that I worked with Hunter McIntyre as he was coming out of OCR Spartan and focused on the TMX which is high intensity strength and short course one mile effort. 
Do you know who was training him through that? That was me. I mean, I was giving him the strength training components that he needed in order to be successful in that event. Clearly, he did a lot of training on his own, mm -hmm. but he made a point to come and see me, and we thought things through, and we looked at processes, and I developed some methodologies for him to be successful in that event. And, you know, he was world champion. He, I don't think he lost any of those events. No, he got uh, two years in a row he won. Right, and so those are strength-oriented efforts for sure. So to me, there was no stretch to write program. Obviously, I'm, I'm writing all the program for the athletes that I, I coach. I'm writing their strength components. If you ask the people that I'm privately coaching, does he do strength? They'll laugh because, you know, they're thinking, they think I'm the devil. They think I'm trying to kill them. <laughs> so that, that was no big push for me to do this. It's just people are not accustomed to seeing me do this is the difference. So... I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I don't, I don't really think I'm going to turn tail and do something different, but I just wanted to throw out some program for people that would cause it to be accessible. You know, mm. training with me privately is, is, can be expensive for a lot of people. And mm. this is affordable. I think it's a, a, you know, it's a good, it's a good offering for a reasonable amount of money. So that's, that was the game. What's the, uh, what's the price on it? It's 200 bucks to participate in the program. And that gets them through all 12 weeks. There's no other money that they need to pay for. It. And it, by the way, it was the same thing for the other program as well. So I think it's a fair price for the amount of uh, influence they're going to get. And uh, works out pretty well. That's definitely a fair price, especially for the amount of weeks that you're programming. So basically, we should just follow up with the date that it's going to be starting. And then... Um... Okay, the program is going to begin, as I suggested, March 10th. Mm -hmm. I will probably look at launching the shorter distance programming. I might look at doing it maybe in June. I might and have, does that be the $200 too? Yep. And uh, yeah, because they're typically going to be about the same length of time. Right. Uh, what I want to do is have enough time in the program to influence people because people are going to be racing. They're not yes. going to be like starting and preparing and then waiting and then, you know, after they get done with their training, do a race. Mm -hmm. So uh, I need it for it to be pretty malleable for them. And yeah. uh, I'm getting to a place where I think that once I got this one project underway, I could launch this other one. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad idea. I haven't thought it through yet. But I know that I'm going to do a stadium event because I think that's more entertaining I like the short course, high intensity, dealing mm -hmm. with stadium stairs. I think that's just novel. Well, you, obviously, I, I worked with VJ. He's been very successful in those events. Yeah, uh, he has. People don't know this, but when I met VJ, I met him at the LA Stadium Race. Our anniversary was last stadium race that he did at LA. So actually, it's getting close to two years now. He was throwing up on the infield <laughs> during the race. And after that, we talked a little bit, and we, we agreed that I should probably coach him. And the following year, he came back and won that race and beat Isaiah Vidal by close to two minutes, I think. What? Yeah. And Isaiah, you know, he's a he's a grip when it comes to those right. events. He was so far ahead of him in the stadium, it was fun for me to watch. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It was fun for me to watch. But he was he surprised himself. He couldn't believe that, that, that he went from – puking his guts up in the middle of the course last year or the previous year to uh, beating one of the best guys in the sport the following year. So I think we have a handle on that distance. 
And yeah. I'll, I'll be excited. Matter of fact, I'll have VJ involved in the in the, the work. So it'll be fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for inviting me onto my show. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining me on your show slash my show now. So sorry. I should just give it to you because uh, I, Lord knows I've not been as good with it as I, I've been in the past. So. But yeah. thank you, Laura. I look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, hopefully you'll maybe come out here. Yeah, I will definitely try. I'm going to look up. Uh, I know you have your super clinic in June, so we'll see if I can get out there. Yeah, well, I've got... Uh, if you come out, I'll, I'll have a place for you to stay. Awesome. So that's part of the problem solved, right? That is part of the problem solved. So thank you for that one. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Richard. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.